I want to talk to you this morning about clothing. Now, many of you know that I like clothing and that I like clothing a lot to a fault. Matter of fact, I like clothing so much that it makes my wife very uncomfortable. She can't stand when she hears me talking to people about clothing. It just drives her crazy. Matter of fact, if she were here this morning, she would be very uncomfortable with the message that I'm about to preach to you. So thankfully, she's out of the country. She's in Myanmar, and she'll be returning on Wednesday of this week. Thank you all for your prayers. God's doing a marvelous work among them in Myanmar, and they they ministered powerfully in Thailand. Now they're in Myanmar ministering powerfully, and they'll all be returning on Wednesday. And so we'll be very thankful to have them home. That was a joke about my wife, but... uh, She really does hate when I talk about clothes, but I got to talk about clothes this morning. I said to you, I have a word from the Lord. So keep that in mind. This is not just a crazy diversion, diversion, divergence. We're going somewhere this morning. Okay. So I went through a season when we first started this church in which my clothing was few and tattered. My clothes were few and tattered. My closet, I didn't have very much in my closet and I remember we were getting ready for our second year anniversary celebration. Sam Huddleston was coming to preach for the first time at Living Hope. It was a very, very you know, exciting time, and expectation was high. The problem was my closet was empty. I only had one suit and a couple pairs of slacks. So I took them a few days ahead of time, and I put them in the dry cleaners, and I looked on the wall, and it said they were open till 6 every day, I thought. So I went Saturday afternoon at about 5.30 to pick them up, and they closed at 5 on Saturdays. So it's Saturday afternoon. And I've got nothing at home but jeans and T-shirts in my, in my drawers. Nothing to wear. Tomorrow's the most exciting day of the year. And I said, God, what do I do? The Lord said, don't worry about it. I've already hooked you up. Go home and relax. So I went home and tried to relax. How many know that when God speaks to you, but the opposite is your reality? It's really, you know, it's like God says, don't worry, you're rich. But you look in your bank account, you hear crickets. You know, so I went home and I was trying to relax and trust the word of the Lord. And after a couple of hours, somebody knocked at my door and it was my buddy from from Canada. And I said, what are you doing in California? He said, I had some business in San Francisco and I thought I would look you up to see if I could find you. And lo and behold, I found you. So I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, let's go out to eat. I said, great. So we got in the car, we pulled out and he said, wait, before we go eat, the Lord is telling me that I need to take you to men's warehouse and hook you up. I said, praise Jesus. That's the Lord. I didn't pull one of those humble, oh, no. You know how you do that? Oh, no, 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 I could never. No, 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 no. You know, when the Lord does something like that, you just need to receive it. Quit acting humble. Sometimes the greatest form of humility is embrace. Receiving. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's the Lord. I I bear witness in my spirit that what you say is the word of the Lord. So we went... We went to the men's warehouse. He bought me a beautiful black blazer, a nice dress shirt and a tie and a pair of, of, of charcoal gray slacks. I looked great the next morning. I felt great the next morning. I was excited the next morning. But at the same time, I was mad. Why was I mad? Because the servant of the Lord should not have to have to need a miracle on Saturday night to look nice on Sunday morning. I mean, it's just wrong. Everything inside me said, God, this is wrong. I'm your servant. On Wall Street, they're dressed out. I mean, they look, and they go to serve money. I show up to serve the Lord. I should be adorned in the finest garments. I should not lack anything. And I prayed this prayer. I prayed a bold prayer. I said, Lord, fill my closet with with nice stuff. I mean, fill my closet with suits. 
I'm asking you for $1,000 suits, $2,000 suits. I'm talking about, I fill my closet with the highest quality stuff. Lord, I'm asking, I'm, I'm not going to lack for anything. God, I'm asking you to fill my closet. I said, Lord, I'm talking about multiple suits. I don't need three suits. I need 10 suits. Come on, can I get a witness up in here? Oh, does that sound like pride? Does that? No, 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 no. Listen, you got to understand that God doesn't want his sons and daughters walking around, you know, living outside of the blessing. God wants you to live inside of the blessing. You say, well, sometimes we, we just, you know, sometimes we're broke. Yes. But you know what? You're a wealthy person having a broke experience. Sons and daughters of God are never poor. You might have an occasional broke experience, but you are never broke. You're sons and daughters of God. You are wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. I said, God, manifest some of that and put it in my closet. I prayed a bold prayer. Well, before long, we had a, um, we had a, a, a clothing, like a giveaway thing where you pay $10. You go in and take as many clothes as you want. You remember that a clothing swap? And what you did was you, you know, donated clothes. People donated clothes. So I went in there. And man, there was this beautiful cashmere suit, a uh, uh, cashmere sweater, beautiful cashmere. I said, is anybody taking this? I said, I'm going to take this. This is nice. Now I paid my $10 like everybody else. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm, you know, and so I said, I'm taking this. And I looked around, there was these beautiful slacks. I said, look at these slacks. Anybody? And I'm taking this. And then there was a couple dress shirts there. I said, look at these dress. It's brand new. The tag's still, I'm taking this. Man, I load. I got a couple pair of slacks, a, a beautiful cashmere sweater, and some beautiful slacks, and and, and a dr- couple dress shirts. And I, I went out and I ran into the guy who owned them. He was a member of our church. I said, what, what, "What is this your stuff?" He goes, "You like that, Pastor?" I said, "You better believe I like it, man. This stuff is nice." He said, "I got more where that came from." The next Sunday, he goes, "I got something for you in my trunk," and he opened up his trunk and he pulled out three suits and that said, "There you go." I said, wow, look at this. So I took them home and I opened up. I looked at the labels and I Googled them because I, I didn't even know what the, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know. Man, when I put the when I Googled that the names, the Italian stuff, you can't even pronounce. I put those names in that search engine and those suits came up and fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars, twelve fifty two. I said, look at this. Look at this. Lord, you answered my prayer. I was so excited. Man, I went to that brother. I was like, dude, you gave me some nice stuff, man. That wasn't no Macy's. That wasn't no J.C. Penney's suits. You know, I bought my first suit from J.C. Penney's for $97. I was so excited about that piece of junk. I wore that thing for six months, and the shoulder pads were all crazy. It didn't fit right anymore. You know what I'm You know, you get what you pay for. I said, man, this is nice. This is nice. This is nice. He goes, there's more where that came from. A couple Sundays later, he goes, Pastor, I got something for you in my trunk. (laughs) Couple more suits. Before the end of it, he gave me like 10 suits. Before I knew it, I had a closet full of suits. And then I started looking around the church, and teenagers started walking in in Armani suits. I said, what is going on? That brother was giving away suits right and left. He was giving suits. See, see some young brother wearing some jeans, you know, sagging in jeans down, down to his waist. I got some for you in my car. Blam, splat out. Dolce & Gabbana suit. You know, 18-year-old kid coming in in a, in a Canali suit. I said, what are you doing in that suit? Said, he gave it to me. How did he give it? He gave, he gave away so many suits. And then I sat down in my closet. I said, let me calculate the value of everything this man gave me. And I went and I, I looked up the value of these suits and the dress shirts and the slacks. And I calculated the, the man gave me like $15,000 in clothing. 
And I looked at what he gave everybody else. I said, okay, this guy is a secret baller. And I know he's a, he's an undercover baller. Why? Because I've been to his place. Right? He lives in a little two-bedroom apartment, okay? He drives like a Chevy or something. You know what I'm saying? But he's got $150,000 worth of clothing to give away. So I said, okay, something is shady. So I, when I sat down with this brother, I said, where are you getting all these clothes from, man? You know, how are you doing this? What's up, man? Stuff on the black market. You know, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> got America's Most Wanted. And so, I, you know, I was... You know, I said, and he said, pastor, he said two things. Number one, I had an uncle who passed away. He was my size. And when I went to visit my aunt, she said, please take all of my husband's clothes. I don't know what to do with them. And he said he had like 40, 50, you know, $2,000 suits in his closet. And so I just took them all, put them in my car. I said, thank you, Jesus. He said, so that was, that was, you know, one, you know, pay dirt, right? He said, but then, but then he said, here's the secret pastor. Here's the secret consignment. Look at your neighbor say consignment. Look at, the neighbor, look at the other neighbor and say consignment. There's an, there's an anointing on that word. Some of you are in the dark. You haven't got revelation yet. Let me, let me give you revelation. He told me, he said, now listen, a consignment store is like a glorified thrift store. Mm. It's a thrift store with the Holy Ghost. See, here's, here's how consignment works. When rich people want to get rid of their clothing, they take it to a consignment store. They agree on a price. They hang it up on the rack and somebody comes in and buys it. Then that person gets paid. So all of those. So I started going to these different consignments. He said, there's three of them in the Bay Area. He told me where they were. Man, I started going to these consignment stores. I walked into this consignment store. I found a Canali suit that was on sale for $190. It fit me like it had been tailored for me. I mean, it fit me like a glove. But you know what? After a while, I had so many suits. I had so much stuff. I started giving away clothes. I started giving away suits. I said, brother, I want to bless you with a suit. I I was in Ethiopia, and this man of God was serving God and preaching everywhere, an Ethiopian preacher, but he wore the same suit every day. I said, brother, I got something for you in my suitcase. I pulled out a beautiful Canali suit. I said, here, try that on. He put it on. He looked like he was going to explode with joy. He said, oh, Pastor Benjamin. Oh, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Oh, this is so amazing. He was so excited. I started blessing folks right and left with the blessing with which I had been blessed with. You know, sometimes God blesses you so abundantly. You just got to pay it forward. But then another question emerged in my mind. The question is, why is it that these consignment stores are selling stuff so cheap? I mean, if this is a $2,000 suit, why are they selling it for $200? Now, I mean, if I buy a 200 now, and some of those suits were like a year old. Maybe had been worn a couple of times. Some of the stuff still had the price tag on it. Folks bought it and never wore it. Armani dress shirts for $10? Come on, somebody. Y'all just don't know the kind of revelation I'm dropping here this morning. It's going to go right over your head if you don't get a hold of your spirit right now and say, wake up. Wake up. You got to get this. Listen, there, there's something there's something hidden here, something the Lord wants to say about consignment stores. And I said, Lord, you got to help me understand why this stuff is selling for so cheap. And I asked somebody, I said, why and how can they sell this stuff for so cheap? Because, see, by the time I buy it, I might as well. It's, it's Macy's prices, but it's Neiman Marcus merchandise. Come on, somebody. And so I, I, I said, how is it that they're selling it for so cheap? And, and, and somebody explained it to me. He said, these consignment stores are in wealthy neighborhoods. Have you noticed that? I said, yeah. Well, wealthy people determine the value of a garment, not simply by the name brand. 
It's the name brand plus the season. See, if you want to be the laughing stock of a party, you go to a party full of wealthy people and wear an Armani suit from last season. They'll look at you and say, that's a nice Armani suit. Too bad it's from last season. What are you, poor? Don't you know they got a whole new line out now? They, that collar is out. It's out of date. It's out of style. It's over and done with. You need to go down to Rockridge Rags and dump those old garments and get clothed in the garments of the new season. You see, when you're wearing the garments of the old season, you look nice. To the untrained eye, you look great. To people who aren't clothed in any nice garments, you look like a millionaire. People used to tell me, you look like, people tell me all the time, you look like you must have a lot of money. Somebody saw a red Mercedes. They said, that, that's got to be your car, right? That's got to be your car. I said, no, mine is the Honda with the dent in it over there. That's my, uh, no, but you look like you got money. See, my uncle used to say it. My uncle used to say, if you ain't got money, make them think you got money. But the joke's on you because everybody knows. See, the thing is, poor people buy the clothes that rich people used to wear. Poor people buy the clothes that rich people discarded. And there's too many in the body of Christ that you're rich in Christ, but you're living like a spiritual poor person because you're going around wearing garments that have been discarded, that are from the old season, that are old, that God's already over and done with. God says, I'm not even, I'm not even clothing people in that line anymore. Why are you still wearing those garments? This morning, God wants you to put on the garments of the new season. He's got a new line of garments that he wants you to put on, but you're still clothing yourself in the garments of the last season. And they look nice. You know, if you, if you saw a picture from the 70s and somebody was wearing his butterfly collar and bell, and bell bottoms and big old afro with sideburns, you, you might laugh. You laugh just as I'm describing it to you. But if you went back to the 70s, you wouldn't laugh. I see pictures of my dad from the 70s. Man, my dad had an icy fro. Man, he had, his fro was perfect. It was, woo, man, he had the, the, the pick with the fist in it, you know. And he was, you know, I, my dad, man, I saw a picture of my dad and I laughed my head off. My dad said, you're laughing now. But back in the 70s, I would walk the streets and people would go, look at that, brother. He said, people used to come to me and say, man, I want my fro to be just like yours, man. How did you do it, man? I want to grow my, just, yours is perfect. It's, it's absolutely perfect. Back in the day, you wouldn't laugh. Why? Because it was in season. But now you look at it and laugh, not because it's bad, but because it's out of season. When you look at clothing that you don't like, you only say one thing. It's out of season. Now, if you saw someone wearing the same clothes he was wearing in the 70s, you'd laugh at him. If somebody, if a brother walked in here with his zoot suit on and a conk (laughs) with some platform shoes with fish tanks in them. Right? If a brother walked in in a shark skin suit. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you would say, brother, how, how, wh- you know, wh- where'd you get them clothes from? He said, I've been wearing these every day since 1973. 
You say, brother, this is 2012. You need to update your wardrobe. Some of you in here have been wearing the same spiritual garments since 1973. It's time to update your wardrobe. You've been speaking the same things in your mind and heart. You've been praying the same prayers. You've been believing the same stuff. You've been struggling with the same battle. And matter of fact, some of you have been wearing hand-me-downs. Oh, you know what hand-me-downs are? Hand-me-downs belong to one generation, but they were handed down to the next generation. Some of you are wearing spiritual garments that your daddy wore and your granddaddy wore and your great-granddaddy wore and your great-great-great-great-granddaddy wore. They, they have come down through the generations, and you just put them on and said, oh, I look good. You looked in the mirror and said, oh, I look good. But you're wearing hand-me-downs. Let me tell you something. Just because it was your daddy's issue doesn't mean it needs to be yours. Your daddy drank, not you. Hello? Your daddy was a womanizer. That's not your issue. You need to take off those hand-me-downs and let God put some new garments on you. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you here? Come on. God wants you to... You're getting ready to put on the garments of the new season this morning. Not yesterday's season, today's season. Today's season. Now, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, he says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. He says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. Why? Because he has clothed me in garments of righteousness and arrayed me in a robe of salvation. Now, listen, Isaiah 61. Do you know what comes before that in Isaiah 61? One of the most powerful passages in the entire Bible. Jesus quoted it in Luke chapter 4, 18 in the synagogue. And then he closed the book and said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He said this prophecy of Isaiah characterizes my entire ministry. The prophet Isaiah said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are bound, to open prison doors for those in chains of darkness, to give them beauty for ashes, strength for weakness, the oil of joy for the spirit of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and they shall rebuild the waste places and restore the desolations of many generations. They shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What a powerful passage, but he never says he rejoices in any of that. He doesn't rejoice. He never said, and I delight in that anointing. And I rejoice in the fact that that, that the Lord has anointed me. Remember, Jesus sent out the disciples to work miracles and to cast out demons and to preach the kingdom, and they came back rejoicing in the anointing. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, don't marvel that the demons are subject in my name. That's a little thing. That's a small thing. Let me tell you what the big thing is. Marvel that your names have been written in the book of life. The prophet Isaiah said, I'm happy about the anointing, but I don't rejoice greatly in it. What I rejoice greatly in is that God has clothed me in garments of salvation. He has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Why? Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for this life only. When you get to heaven, there ain't going to be no prophesying there. No evangelizing in heaven. Everybody's already saved. No building fund. The building's already paid for. No discipleship. Everyone has already seen him as he is and become like him in every way. But you know what? You're going to get to wear in heaven the same garments that God has adorned you with here. Your garments of salvation and your robes of righteousness. Listen, those garments of salvation and robes of righteousness are really your garments that you're going to wear in heaven. But God says that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. I'm going to robe you in righteousness right now. You're going to start wearing those robes right now. And the prophet said, I rejoice greatly in this. Notice he didn't say, I'm struggling for righteousness. Notice he didn't say, I rejoice greatly because every day I I go into a battle with sin. 
but the Lord gives me victory at the end of every day. Notice he didn't say, every day I'm resisting and trying to stand my ground against the wiles of the devil. No, he said, I rejoice greatly. Righteousness is not even an issue anymore. He's robed me in it. Salvation, it's not an issue anymore. He's clothed me in garments of it. He adorned me. Righteousness and salvation It's done. God has already clothed me in it. He's already robed me in it. Isaiah said, and this is 61 chapters into his prophecy. He's been a prophet for 61 chapters already before he gets these new garments. He said, there's new garments here. Remember in chapter six, he was saying, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In chapter 61, he says, now the Lord has clothed me. Now he's adorned me. Now, I've been wrestling with this issue since chapter 6. But now in chapter 61, God has taken me out of the fight, taken me out of the struggle, and brought me into the place where I'm standing in my new clothing. I got a new fit, y'all. Come on, somebody. Listen, many of you are still living in chapter 6, but God wants to take you into chapter 61. You're living in chapter 6 where you're saying, woe is me for I am undone. And you think it's humility. You're living in chapter six where you think you're supposed to struggle and wrestle and struggle and wrestle and struggle and wrestle. And God wants to take you in chapter 61 and say, no, the struggling is over and the wrestling is over. Now I'm clothing you. I've got new garments for you. You're taking off those garments of the old season and you're stepping into the garments of the new season. It's not about where you were or what you've done. Now it's about what I'm doing. And see, this is the problem. The problem is we don't really believe the work of the Lord. We believe in ourselves more than we believe in God, if we were honest. Why? Because we think whatever God does is temporary. But whatever we do is eternal. I mean, if you mess something up, you think you messed it up for good. It'll never be fixed. I broke it beyond repair. If God blesses you or fixes something, you think it's temporary. Well, let's see how long this is going to last. And you think you're more powerful than God. You think you have more power to destroy things than God has to fix them. But God's getting ready to flip the script on that whole way of thinking. You're going to start seeing everything you do as temporary. If you mess up, it's temporary. If you fall down, it's temporary. If you say the wrong thing, it's temporary. Even if you destroy everything, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll build it again in three days. He says, what's temporary, the old garments are the garments of what you have done to mess stuff up. But the new garments are the garments of what God has done to restore and to deliver and to set free. Now, in in, in biblical times, there were two basic fabrics with which all clothing was made. Either wool or linen. Wool or linen. I talked about this a little bit, I think, back in 2010 in a message I preached called No Sweat. But wool garments, and God said, never mix them. He said, don't you mix those wool. Don't you mix wool and linen and make one garment out of wool and linen. I don't want to see it. It's an abomination. God was ticked off. Leviticus 19.19, God said, A garment of mixed fabric such as linen and wool shall never come upon you. Don't you ever wear that mixture of linen and wool. Don't wear it. God said, I don't want to see it. It's an abomination in my sight. He said it again in Deuteronomy chapter something, verse something. He said it right there. It's it's so clear right there in Deuteronomy chapter um, 22, verse 11. There it is. Deuteronomy 22, verse 11. He says, you are not to mix any such fabrics such as wool and linen. 
He said, I, I know I, I messed that up. But I'm going to read it just because some of you don't believe me. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. God said, don't you dare mix linen and wool together. You crazy? You lost your mind? What's wrong with you? Mixing linen and wool. To, he, and, and, you know, whenever the Lord speaks something, it's because somebody's doing it. Somebody is. God does not speak something unless somebody is doing it. Don't tell me you ain't doing it. God doesn't speak it unless you're. God sees people down there. They got wool and linen. So let's mix it together. And God speaks to Moses. You go tell them, them, them people who are making the clothes. Don't you dare mix linen and wool together. If they lost their mind. Go. And he said it twice. Leviticus 19, 19, Deuteronomy 22, 11. He said it twice. He must mean, listen, when God says it twice, he means business. He says, let every word be fulfilled by the mouth of two witnesses. When you got a double witness in scripture, God means business. So what's the big deal? How many know that God is not concerned about fabrics? By a show of hand, how many know that God is not really concerned about fabrics? He's not looking down at clothes saying it's an abomination. How many know that that, that shirt is an abomination? (laughs) How many know that there's always a deeper meaning? There's a deeper meaning. Paul brought this up to our attention when he brought up the, the text in Leviticus where it says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads the grain. Paul said, do you think God is concerned about oxen? You, I mean, you think God would take the time to write a law for oxen? Paul said, is it not us that God is concerned about? Is God not saying, don't you dare allow someone to labor in the house of the Lord and not eat the fruit of their labor in the house of the Lord? That's what God is saying. Thank you so much, brother. You, you got a word of knowledge that a brother needed help. God is speaking. With, listen, the, the linen and wool mixture thing, it, there's a deeper meaning beneath it now. Wool is what you wear in the winter to keep you warm so you can work. When it gets cold in Israel, it gets cold. In the middle of the winter, it snows in some places. So you need wool. Now, you look out at the sheep. Somebody got a great idea one day. They looked out at the sheep. They were all shivering. And the sheep were just chilling. They said, why are the sheep warm and we're cold? And somebody said, well, you see, they're covered in a garment of wool. And somebody else said, if we take that wool off of them and put it on us, we can be warm and chilling like the sheep are. So somebody went out and got a sharp sword or a knife or a stone or something. I don't know. You know, nowadays they got clippers to shear sheep. How did they do it back in the day? You know, with a with a sword or something. You know, that must have hurt. You know, poor sheep. They're all jacked up. And so, you know, they sheared the sheep and they made garments out of the out of the wool. And people decided people realize if we wear wool in the winter, we can go out and work and stay warm. Woolen garments are garments that are designed to allow you to keep working and stay warm in the winter. Linen garments, y'all know what linen is, right? You ever had, I I remember when I got my first pair of linen pants a couple summers ago, I I went, I bought myself a pair of linen pants. Ooh, if you've never worn linen pants in the summer, you got to get you some. Man, they just breathe. Troy's wearing linen pants right now. See, he knows the season. He's discerned the times and the season. Stand up, Troy, stand up. Just let people get a look at your pants. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Yeah, keep turning. 
<laughs> Thank you. Linen, you see how light and airy those things are? Man, you just feel cool. I mean, it can be hot, but you just feel cool. You just feel, you can just relax. Linen garments allow you to rest in the summer. Linen garments allow you to stay cool in the summer so that you can rest. Woolen garments allow you to stay warm in the winter so that you can work. God said, don't mix them. Why? Because if you mix linen and wool, they neither keep you cool in the summer nor warm in the winter, but they're lukewarm. And there is no lukewarm weather in Israel. And because there's no lukewarm weather, God said, just spit that out of, out of your mouth. Why? Because it's about usefulness. Now, you know that passage there in Revelation 3, where God said to the church at Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. I've heard people interpret it to say, well, God wants you to be either hot or cold. And hot means righteous and on fire for Jesus and cold means out in the world and on fire for the devil and doing the devil's work. And God would rather you be raging for the devil than, than lukewarm. And that has nothing to do with what the text means to the East of Laodicea were hot springs to the West. There was cool, cold water sources, sources of cold water. When the hot water from the hot springs would flow into Laodicea, it cooled down and became lukewarm. And when the water from the, from the West flowed into Laodicea, it warmed up and became lukewarm. If you wanted good water to drink, you could go to the, to the, to the east and get some hot water and make you some tea. You could take you a hot bath. You could make a hot cup of coffee with that. But the water from Laodicea, it was good for nothing. You could go to the west and get some cold water and take a cold bath or something. You know, drink cold, ice cold water. The cold water is good for stuff. The hot water is good for stuff. But the lukewarm water is absolutely good for nothing. And when God tells the church at Laodicea, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You know what he's saying? You're not worth, you're not, you're useless. I can't do anything with you. You're not hot or cold. There's no passion in you. You become apathetic. You become passive. He's not saying I'm going to send you to hell. As some people are saying, he's just saying that when I taste you, you're not good. And I, just as we're supposed to taste and see that the Lord's good, he wants to taste and see that we're good. And so God is speaking about these garments. He says, I don't want you to have any lukewarm garments. Now watch this. It goes even deeper. The woolen garments represent your work and your labor what you can do in your own strength. And how many know that there's a season for your own strength? And you know what that season is called? Learning to depend on God. See, when you're learning to depend on God's strength, you are of necessity depending on your own strength. You just don't know it. You're trying everything in your power to learn how not to depend on yourself, but you and I can't escape what we can do by our own power. God has to take us out of that season. And, and, and at first, we're completely clothed in woolen garments. We're just depending all on our own strength. God said to Adam, when he put him out of the garden, he said, out of the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the earth. The sweat of your brow has to do with your strength. He says, now you're on your own. The, the garden represented the realm in which God provided everything. When God put Adam out of the garden, he said, now you're dependent on yourself. Now you're on your own. Now you'll see how it is without me. You're in that realm in which it's your own strength. And when you begin to learn to depend on the Lord, you tend to go 50-50. Part wool and part linen. 
Your garments are part wool, dependent on your own strength, and part linen, depending on God's strength. It's, it's part of the sweat of your brow and part of the power of God. And you, you, don't, you, you know, you, in that season, things take a lot longer when there's a mixture of your strength and God's strength. Things that should happen instantaneously can take years. When there's a mixture, ask the children of Israel in the wilderness. Should have been a 40-day march through the desert to the promised land. It took 40 years. Why? Because there was a mixture of their strength and God's strength. We're going to follow the cloud, but when we see the giants, we better see the strength in ourselves to beat them. And God said, no, it's a mixture. You know, at the end of last year, when God wants to bring you into the new season, he strips you of the woolen garments and teaches you to clothe yourself in linen garments. And the linen garments represent the power of God, total dependence on the power of God. These are the garments of the new season. You've been wearing that mixture of linen and wool. God wants to strip you of those garments and take you into the new season and clothe you in pure linen garments, which represent complete dependence on the power of God. Look at your neighbor and say complete dependence. On the power of God. In this next season that God is inviting you into, it's no longer you plus God, it's God. It's you in God. It's God in you. It's God through you. It's God. It's all God and none of you. That is, God is taking us beyond ourselves. And because He's taking us beyond ourselves, He's taking us past the realm where things take forever. Follow me this morning. At the end of last year, I was looking at my finances and I said, something has to change, something has to move. And, and so I started kind of struggling in my heart and I, I came up with this business idea and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to start a piano school. And she didn't even respond because she knew that when I'm talking foolishness, you know, when I, whenever I start talking foolishness, I know it because my wife just doesn't respond. She just didn't say anything, just didn't say anything. And man, I had, I had lined up about 30 students already. I had lined up. I talked to a brother, and he went to this Christian school and talked to the teachers there. And they were making announcements. I mean, it was ready to go. And I went into my prayer closet, and I was praying over it. And I said, oh, God, bless this thing. And the Lord said, I will not. I will not. I said, why, why not? Lord, that's unbiblical. You ever told God something is unbiblical? I said, no, Lord, that's unbiblical. Psalm chapter 1 says, whatever I do will prosper. And the Lord said, son, I will not go halves with you. I said, what does that mean? He said, you know, me provide half for you and you provide the other half. I will not go halves with you. Either I'm going to provide 100% for you or you're going to provide 100% for you. You choose and let me know what the decision is. But I will not go halves with you. You know what the Lord was saying to me? He says, I will not allow you to clothe yourselves in half woolen, half linen garments. You're either going to choose linen or wool, but not both. Are you hearing me today? God said, I won't go halves with you. Now, I'm not telling you to, to quit your job and not get a job. I'm not telling you. Matter of fact, many of you, God's going to give you business. Uh, God's going to give you business ideas and he's going to prosper you. And he's gonna, but God told me my calling is not business. But what I didn't realize is that God was calling me to transition out of this realm where it's half my strength and half his strength and into the realm where it's all his strength, where it's complete dependence on him, where it's total dependence on him. But I was still wearing the garments of the old season and I thought he demanded something of me, a little bit of me and a little bit of him and a little bit of me and a little bit of him and a little bit. Listen, God doesn't want to dance with you. 
He's not interested in the dance. He wants to carry you. Are you hearing me? He doesn't want to follow you. He wants to carry you. He doesn't want to get in the car with you and be a passenger. He wants to drive. He does not want to come and be a tenant in your house. He's coming in as the landlord. Are you hearing me? Listen, entering into the new season will demand a new level of surrender and a new level of dependence. It will demand that you come to the place where you say, God, I've lived by a mixture of my strength and your strength for all this time. But now I'm coming out of my strength and into your strength. I'm coming full. And you know what? You can't do it yourself. It's not something you can do. You know, we hear a message like this and we go out and try to do it. But the moment you try to do it, you refute it. (laughs) Right? It's like trying not to be humble. I mean, trying not to be proud. (laughs) Because the moment you realize you got humility, you just lost it. Anyway, that'll hit you about 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And it'll set you free. Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 17. In Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 17, God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, you speak to those priests in Jerusalem and you tell them, I said that when they come into my temple to serve me, that they are not to wear woolen garments, but they're to wear linen garments only. You hear that? Tell them that when they come into my temple to serve me, I don't want to see any woolen garments on them. And God made it specific. He said, I don't, they are not allowed to wear anything that causes them to sweat. God says, I don't want to see a drop of sweat on you when you come into my house. Does that mean they're not going to work? No, but it's different. Now you're going to labor by God's power and not your power. You want to know how to tell when you're laboring by your power and not God's power when you get worn out? Because when you're living by your own strength, you come to the end of it. When you're living by God's strength, there's no end to it. You say, well, I'm, I'm doing too much. Are you doing as much as the Apostle Paul was doing? I mean, I don't think there's a one of us in here that's doing anything nearly as close to what the Apostle Paul was doing. And getting persecuted and getting beat and getting imprisoned and all this stuff and left for dead in the midst of it. And he gets up and says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. Why? Because we're looking not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Listen, if you come to the end of your rope, you must not be on God's rope. And you know what? We have to wear ourselves out before God comes and takes over. We have to come to the end of our, listen, I'm not saying stop working because you know what? Some of you are still in that season where you're crossing over and, and you're still working and you don't know how to stop, but you know what? That's okay because God sees the end of it and it's God who's determined that I'm stripping you out of the garments of the old season and I'm putting, I'm clothing you in the garments of the new season. I'm telling you by the word of the Lord that God is doing it. I'm telling you by the word of the Lord that God is getting ready to update your wardrobe. He's getting ready to take off those cheap garments. He's going he's gonna to disrobe you from all that cheap J.C. Penny stuff. And he's going to clothe you in the Armani of the Spirit. And not from any consignment store either. It's coming fresh from heaven. I'm telling you that in the heavens there's a Holy Spirit tailor. And he's, come, he's tailoring garments for you that he has designed for you to wear since before the foundation of the world. You just got to begin to agree in your heart and mind that in this season, God is clothing me in the new garments. Now, there's more to it. Because not only is God clothing you, but you got to learn to clothe yourself. God can actually clothe you in the garments of the new season and it do you no good at all. 
my precious friend here, my spiritual son. I love him so much. You all love Pastor Joseph. You know, remember he got ordained a couple years ago. A couple days before his ordination, he, he came to me crying. Big puppy dog tears. He said, Pop, he said, I'm getting ordained. <laughs> he said, I'm getting ordained and I don't have anything to wear. I don't have any nice clothes. What am I going to do? And I felt so bad. It was so pathetic. I thought, I thought, let me buy. I, I thought, man, I, I, should I buy him something? Because I thought, you know, I don't have any money and my wife will get mad at me for doing it. But, uh, you know, maybe I can explain later. You know, <laughs> it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Right, husbands? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought maybe I'll take him to the men's warehouse or something, you know, and and, uh, you know, just bless him. I felt bad. You know, the brother is getting ordained. You know, he's never been ordained before and he wants to look nice. And, you know, so I thought, well, I, man, let me help this brother out. And then he said, although there is a couple suits in my closet that that same person that gave me all those suits gave him. And I said, well, boy, he gave you some suits. He goes, yeah. I said, let's go to your house right now. I walked in his house, opened up his closet, and there was a mint condition, navy blue, Dolce and Gabbana suit that fit him like a glove. I wanted to smack the mess out of him. I said, how long have you had this? He said, like eight months. I said, did you ever think to try it on? He said, I didn't think anything of it. I said, well, you should have thought something of it. I said, put this on. It was nicer than anything I could have bought him. You know, whenever somebody comes to you pitiful about something that's going on in their lives and you're thinking, oh, I need to do something for the brother. Listen, God has already created garments for them that are hanging in their closet. And it's nicer than anything you could ever afford. Nicer than anything you could have given them. I'm telling you, listen, the thing is, for most of us, God has already tailored. I mean, when he put on that suit, it looked like it was tailored for him. It fit him like a glove. God has clothes that are tailored for you. But listen, when when Joseph got his coat of many colors from his father, Jacob. It was one thing for his father to put the robe on him, but he could have went in his room, took it off and hung it up and never came back to it. He had to wake up the next morning and make a decision to wear it. That is, it's one thing for God to clothe you. It's quite another thing for you to learn how to clothe yourself in the garments that God has clothed you in. See, God, for some of you, God has clothed you in richly ornamented robes and coats of many colors and garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. But you take them right off, hang them up in your closet and put on your robes of patheticness and, and garments of, of oppression and, and robes of struggle. You're put your, you know, and you're still walking around struggling, but you got the garment sitting in your closet. In Isaiah 52, 1. The prophet says, awake, awake, O Jerusalem, awake, awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Some of you woke up this morning and put on your garments of pitifulness and you should have put on your garments of splendor. You're putting on your garments of depression and oppression and you should put on your garments of strength and freedom. Listen, God in this season has already robed you, but you got to make a decision to robe yourself. Say, how do I robe myself? You begin to speak in agreement with what God has said about you. 
you don't have the right to say anything other than what God has said about you. Some of you take too much authority for yourselves and too little authority for for yourselves in other ways. You think you have full authority to talk bad about yourself. I'm so stupid and I'm so this and I'm so that. You think you have full authority to think negative thoughts about yourself. I'm so unfaithful and what's wrong? Listen, you don't have the authority to say that. But then the devil comes and does all kind of stuff about you. You don't take any authority there. Where you should be taking authority, you've relinquished it. And where you have no authority, you've taken it. You know, I was reading where uh, somewhere in, in 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel, where Ben-Hadad, well, Ben-Hadad had died. He was the, the ruler of another nation. And David felt bad for his son Hunan. I believe his name was H-U-N-A-N, Hunan. And he, he sent a delegation to just share David's condolences for the death of his father. And when the delegation came in, Hunan's men said, don't you know that these men from David are spies? They've come to spy out your kingdom so that David can come conquer you. So Hunan sees these men, watch this, shaved off half their beards. Isn't that just the devil? You know, I mean, these men had big old beards. He shaved off half their beards. And if that wasn't worse, to add insult to injury, he cut their robes in the middle. Cut off their robes right at the waistline. And sent them home butt naked from the waist down. Now go on home. Go on back to David. Go on back to David. And when they got, listen, David heard what happened. And he said, when he heard they were coming with half, half a face of hair and half a robe. And they're just walking. <laughs> just disgraced. When David heard what happened, first thing he did was send a messenger to go out and cover them up. He said, go, go take, take some robes. He said, and tell them to stay in Jericho till their beards grow back. You know, you're walking around with half a beard. You know? He said, tell, just tell them, to stay, tell them to hide out. Their friends don't need to see them like this. And the second thing David did was he said, Joab, get in here. Joab is the commander of his army. He said, I want you to take your whole army out there, and I want you to kill everything that moves. I want, listen, the... Listen, this guy had disgraced him and cut off his garments. Some of you hear the devil cut your garments off at the waist and you're just walking around like that. Just going to church. Going to work like that. Half a head of hair and half a garment. Just cut off right at the waist. Just all exposed everywhere. Just walking around and you're not doing nothing about it. The devil has done everything to shame you and humiliate you, and you don't even see it. David said, I'm sending out the commander of my army, and we're going to kill everything that moves over there. Listen, you need to make a decision. If the devil tries to take my garments, I'm coming out against him in full force. You're not touching my garments, devil. You're not touching my garments. God has clothed me in these garments. He's robed me in these garments. You can't take them from me. You can't take them from me. Listen, I'm going to bring this in for a landing. I know I've been talking for a long time, but it's good. That's okay. (laughs) The Lord spoke this to me this week, and I thought it was heresy. Has the Lord ever spoken some heresy to you? (laughs) You know what he said? He said, son, I need you to know that my grace comes to an end. And I thought, Lord, that's unbiblical. I told the Lord again, Lord, that's unbiblical. That's unbiblical. And the Lord said, No, son, don't get me wrong. I don't mean that my grace in its totality comes to an end. I mean that certain manifestations of my grace, they come to an end. And this is what the Lord showed me. God does not release frivolous grace. 
Grace is such a precious thing to God. It cost his son his life. He does not release it frivolously, but only in response to real need. But when he brings a specific need to an end, he also brings that specific manifestation of grace to an end. This is what the Lord said to me this week. The grace of the last season has just come to an end in your life. And some of you, that's what's caused your greatest trial over the last few weeks. Because stuff you used to have grace for, there's no grace for it anymore. Pits that the Lord just used to pull you out of, you fall into them and you're just there. And God says, and you're you're saying, Lord, well, why don't you pick me up like you used to do? How come you're not doing what you used to do for me? Because that grace came to an end. When God causes a manifestation of grace to come to an end, it's because he's taken you into a new season and there's a new grace for that new season. But if you try to robe yourself with the grace of the old season, you're like the king who had no clothes. I'll give you an illustration of how this works. My wife, when she was pregnant with Alethea, two doctors told her that she had had a miscarriage. I was in China. She sent me a text message, said two doctors have told me that I've had a miscarriage. It's done. I freaked out. I got on my knees to pray and I said, oh, Lord, oh, God, you know what I was really doing was seeking the comfort of the Lord because I had accepted it in my heart. But no comfort came. None at all. I mean, not an ounce. I thought the Lord would just come and wrap me in his arms and, oh, son, I am with you. I am. I am with you through this. No comfort came at all. And the Lord spoke to me and said, get up. Your wife has not had a miscarriage. The Lord said, had your wife had a miscarriage, I would have immediately released grace for it. But there's no grace for a miscarriage because there has been no miscarriage. You don't need grace for a miscarriage. You're praying for grace for a miscarriage because you believe you've had a miscarriage and no grace comes for you there. Some of you think you're in bondage and you're crying out to God for grace to get you out of your bondage and no grace is coming. No comfort is coming. Listen, I've got no sympathy for you. Why? Because you're not in bondage anymore. You just think you are. And because you believe it, you think you need grace for it. Listen, that's the grace of the last season. In the grace of the last season, it was grace to fall and get up and fall and get up. And and you even got biblical evidence for it because it says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. But listen, in that last season, you fell seven times. In this new season, he keeps you from falling and presents you blameless before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. In the last season, there was grace for the falling and arising and falling and arising and falling and arising. Now the Lord says, if you fall, you're on your own. Oh, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? No, because he's giving you the grace to stand. And that means if you fall, you had no business down there. Now in this season, if you fall, you had no business down there. And the word of the Lord is simple. Just get up. Just get up. Don't cry about it. Just get up. Don't ask for a six-month counseling process to get you free from it. Just get up. Don't ask for therapy, inner healing, deliverance. Just get up. See, some of you are seeking deliverance from stuff you've already been delivered from. Some of you are seeking healing from stuff you've already been healed from. Just get up. J-G-U. Stepped into my wife's anointing for a second there. Just get up. Just get up. Just get up. You know, in the old season when there was a mixture of wool and linen, deliverance took a long time. 
Because it was half your strength and half God's strength. So you had to go through session after session after session after session. You had to read books on deliverance. And you had to go through processes of healing and deliverance. And you had to battle the devil. And you had to stand your ground in the face of great opposition. But that was the old season. Let me describe to you the, the deliverance ministry of Jesus in the new season. He comes to the region of the Gerasenes. And the man is possessed by a legion of devils. And when he goes to set the man free, he says, quote, go, unquote. That's the deliverance ministry of Jesus. Go. It's done. Go. You say, oh, well, no, no, no. You, you know, you, you can't think of it that way. It's, it can't, you know, you, it's got to be a process. In your mind, it's got to be a process. Listen, you've got to get that out of your mind, that it's got to be a process. It's gotta, some of you are waiting for deliverance, and God isn't saying wait anymore. You're waiting for deliverance, and God has already delivered you. He's already opened the door. He's already clothed you. He's already robed you. He's already brought you into the new season, but you're still waiting. You're still waiting. God is taking us when we put on those linen garments and come into the house of the Lord. And remember, he's speaking to the priests there in Ezekiel 44, 17. He says, tell the priests that when they come into the house to serve me, put on linen garments. How many know that you're all priests? If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're all priests. Listen, if you're believers in Jesus Christ and you got a, a six-year-old son, that son is a priest. You need to raise that son to know that he's a priest in the house of God. If you got a newborn baby, you got a newborn priest. And your daughters are priests too. It's not just the priesthood of the men. It's the priesthood of the women. I'm telling you that we are a kingdom of priests. He has made us a kingdom of priests. You are a chosen generation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. The, God's peculiar people that you might declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are priests of God, but priests got to wear linen. Priests got to wear linen. Listen, God wants to, God wants you to take off those knockoff clothes. He wants you to take off those hand-me-down clothes. He wants you to take off those cheap garments of the old season, that mixture of wool and linen, that mixture of his strength and your strength. He's taking you into the new season now, into the new season. There's a new authority there. There's a new power. There's a new authority to begin to speak as God speaks, that if God says you're righteous, you begin to say, I'm righteous. It's never pride. It's never pride to repeat the Lord. It's never, it's not a self-assessment. It's a God assessment. You haven't assessed yourself. You're saying what God said. You're speaking as God speaks. You begin to think as God thinks. And you begin to have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I'll end with this. Remember when Jesus put his disciples on the boat and sent them out into the sea of Galilee and said, I'm going to have a prayer meeting with the father. And he went up to the top of the mountain. And as soon as they left, the wind started blowing against them with such force that at the third watch of the night, which is about uh, nine hours, they were still in the middle of the lake. Now I've crossed the, the sea of Galilee by boat and it took 45 minutes, nine hours. They're still in the middle of the lake. Why the wind was against them. It's a season. There is a season in which the wind is against you. And it says they were straining at the oars, straining with all their might, straining, pulling against those oars, doing everything in their power to keep the boat moving forward. You ever feel like you've done everything in your power to keep the boat moving forward, but you're making no progress at all. You know what we start doing at that place? We start strategizing. We start Googling stuff. We start reading books. We start going to seminars. We start taking classes. We start doing everything we know how to do. I mean, Peter's in the front going, we need a new rowing pattern. <laughs> doing everything we know how to do to try to make progress and there's no progress made. Why? Because the wind is against us. 
Jesus, after those nine hours, had a nine-hour prayer meeting with the Father. He says, okay, Father, I better go back to my disciples. He looks out. It says he looked out and saw them straining at the oars. He said, yep, they're trying to do it in their own strength. And there's really nothing else they can do right now because I haven't given them my strength yet. Watch how I shift them. Jesus just starts walking on the water. No wind can oppose him. He cuts right through the wind. In a few minutes, he had caught up with them. God can do in a few minutes what takes you years. God can cause you to make progress in a matter of moments that you couldn't do in your own strength in a matter of years. You could spend a lifetime straining at the oars and get nowhere. But all of a sudden, Jesus just comes walking up alongside your boat. But here's the key. It says he intended to pass them by. They're over here straining and he just looking the other way. See, when he sees us straining at the oars, he says, it looks like you guys got it. So I'm just going to let you be. I'm going to let you be till you come to the end of yourself. Till you recognize that you're ready to transition. Sometimes God has to let life beat the mess out of you before you're ready to transition. Before you come to the end of your rope and realize the inadequacy of what you can do in your own power. They see him and they cry out. Lord, save us. Well, first they thought it was a ghost. But he said, whoa, don't freak out. It's just me. And it says they willingly invited him into their vessel. And the moment he got in the boat with them, it said the wind immediately stopped. And immediately they were at the other side. All it takes is for Jesus to climb in the boat. The wind will die down. You're going to get to your destination, but not by your own power. Arriving at your destination requires that you take off the garments of the old season in which you did it in your own strength. In which you tried to manipulate things to make them work in your favor. You put on the garments of the new season. Robes of righteousness. Garments of salvation. And I'm talking about the newest line. Jeremiah said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, never come to an end, but they're new every morning. That means every morning there's a new mercy. And that means you don't need yesterday's mercy anymore. Every morning God wants to clothe you in a new garment. Every day, all night long, he's tailoring a new garment for you. You need to wake up every morning and say, Lord, clothe me in the new garment. Clothe me in the new garment. I'm ready to be clothed. I'm ready to be clothed. God is transitioning you today. From your power to his power. From your strength to his strength. And I'm declaring it's a new season. And you will wear the garments of the old season no more. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you today that your word always hits its mark. And I'm declaring that the season is changing. There's some folk here that have been wearing that garment that's a mixture for so long. We don't even know how to take it off. 
But Lord, I'm reminded of Zechariah chapter 4 when he said, I saw Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord wearing a filthy garment. Satan was there to accuse him. But the angel of the Lord said, Satan, the Lord rebukes you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is this not a brand plucked from the burning? Then the angel commanded that the filthy garment be stripped from him. And the angel said, clothe them in a white garment. And I say to you today that the Lord is removing the garments of the last season, the garments of the past, the garments of your previous struggle, the garments of your previous pain. Some of you have been wearing these garments for generations. The Lord is saying your father wore these, your mother wore these. Your grandparents wore these. Isn't it time you took them off? Do you want to give them to your children? Isn't it time you let me clothe you in the new garment? Don't you want to give your children something new? Some of you are saying yes in your hearts right now. You're saying yes, yes. I receive that garment of the new season. And I'm going to learn to trust in you in this new season, Father. I'm going to learn to trust in you and not lean on my own understanding. I'm going to learn to acknowledge you in all of my ways. And I know that you're going to direct my paths. For some of you, the old garment is the garment of disillusionment because you feel that the Lord has let you down in so many ways. So many prayers you've prayed that you feel like the Lord just didn't come through for you. You're disappointed. You're disillusioned. You're disillusioned with the way your life has turned out. You're disgruntled. But those are the garments of the old season, and the Lord is taking them off you right now. Come on, just let him, just slip out of them right now. Just, just open up your heart and let him take them off you right now. The word of the Lord always hits its mark. The word of the Lord is coming to strip you of those old garments, and the word of the Lord is coming to clothe you in new garments. Hallelujah. It's happening right now. Your hearts are opening. The Spirit of God is coming in. In Revelation 14, he said, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000. And it said, They were clothed in white, in white garments. God wants to clothe you in white garments. It was given to the bride that she should be clothed in white garments, which are the righteous acts of the saints. God has righteous acts for you to work. He's clothing you. He's clothing you. And you need to begin to clothe yourself in those garments. I want you to just make a decision right now to clothe yourself in those garments. Take up the authority that he's given you. Put down the authority that he hasn't given you. Make a decision. I'm going to be clothed today. Somebody's here today and it's time for you to cross over from death to life. This message broadly applied to you, but not specifically because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I'm saying to you this morning that he's here to touch you. He's here to come into your life. He's here to change you from the inside out. And I'm going to ask right now, is there anybody here? You say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm ready to receive him right now. I'm ready to invite him to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to allow him to strip me of my garments and allow him to clothe me in new garments. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. If that's you today, lift your hand right where you are. I believe God's going to come in and save you right now. But you've got to make a decision. I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. Father, I speak your blessing over this house of yours. 
I speak your blessing over these sons and daughters of yours. And I speak your blessing over this new season that we're in. Teach us to fully enter into it with our hearts, with our minds, with our bodies, with our souls. Let us walk in it. Let us walk fully in it. I give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. And just lift up your hands to the Lord once more. I bless you with the blessings of the Lord this morning. I bless you with joy unspeakable. I bless you with faith beyond your ability to believe. I bless you with the expectation of great things. And I bless you with the awareness of what God is doing in your life. And I say that you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the hills will clap their hands. I speak blessing, encouragement, joy, and peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise.